Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the programme that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan, and today we're talking about an important way that people and organizations share information about well-being. Our topic today is well-being models. These handy things are like a shorthand to remind us how to look after our well-being and how these models can make it easier to talk about well-being with other people we live with or work with. My guest today is Stephen Eames from Raroa School in Wellington in New Zealand. Raroa School wanted a well-being model that made sense to them and tied in with their values. So they ended up looking at quite a number of well-being models and then came up with something unique, a Raroa solution. And they're a very innovative bunch of people, so that's not so surprising to me. Stephen Eames was one of the leaders of this project and he is here today to talk about it with us. Kia ora, Stephen. We're delighted to have you with us. Welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Cool. Kia ora, Denise. Firstly, thank you so much for um, giving me a chance to be part of this. Um, this is uh, a field which I have become very passionate about, and um, and I've really enjoyed the process and learning all about well-being. So really, really appreciate that. How did you approach growing understanding of well-being and choosing a well-being model in your school? What was important to you? The important thing is, is that we have, we've been working really hard to create a model um, which will create an environment which can support um, positive education. Now, within our school, we deal with uh, pre-adolescent learners and adolescent learners. And for many of them, and I think this is also relevant for the younger learners, many of them are making sense of the world around them. They're also making sense of who they are. And so we sort of look at it about that they're almost trying to put together a puzzle of who they are. And it's really important that they get the right pieces and they construct sort of a true sense of who they are and what they value. And by creating that environment, they're allowing them to, what in well-being is often stated, is allowing them to flourish. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the best way of when these, and these pieces that they're, they're constructing, they're getting them small, so all sorts of places, but the one other place they're getting them from is their peers and their teachers. So to help them and us understanding what well-being is and what it looks like will be a very significant um, factor in their development and learning. Uh, I think the examples of this is we're looking at ways that we're, we're interacting positively. We're ensuring that teachers are acknowledging students' strengths. In fact, students in our community are acknowledging the strengths of the students that we're working with. Uh, we want um, students to be continually reflecting on their successes as well as teachers again. Um, being grateful, finding that the work they're doing in school is purposeful uh, mm. so that they feel value and what they're doing is contributing to something something bigger. Um, encouraging, mm. of course, encouraging them to take risks um, and giving students access so that to healthy choices. Um, mm. Our teachers are a vibrant lot. We've worked really hard in them understanding well-being so that they can be um, the best people to be in front of our teachers, on, on a, front of our students on a daily basis. And I love, I love what you're saying there, Stephen, around um, the bits that are popping out to me are around um, your, the reason for having a well-being model was part of, was helping the students to know themselves 
um, and helping the teachers to communicate some of this information to them. Um, so what else? Because I know Raro spent quite a while thinking about what would work best for you. So why, you know, what were the main, if you had to describe the main reasons that you wanted to have a well-being model for, what would you, what were they? I think the main reasons were is that there's a, we're very conscious of um, the, our students at the moment. In fact, we're very conscious of our students um, and we're very conscious of their changing needs. Uh, students are living very, very complicated lives as well as our community, very complex lives with multiple things going on. Um, and students come into school with a lot on their shoulders, so to speak. Um, and we need to look after them. We need to look after them so that they can come into school and it can be a calm place uh, where we can get the best out of them. What did you want a wellbeing model to help you do? I think the main thing is, is that we wanted a wellbeing that would support our students, give them, give them um, access to teachers who understand what wellbeing looks like. Um, a big thing, and it fits into our, what we call our positive education uh, and behaviour approaches, is ensuring that students can practice self-regulation is a big factor. Um, it's important for them, for us, um, to create a supportive environment where we can actually support them as an individual. Um, also what we do is we need to find ways to have teachers that are in front of our class looking after themselves so they're in the best actually condition to actually drive our kids and model how it is what it looks like to be well as such to, to, to um, be positive and so I know that um, Raro went through quite a long process in looking at different models of well-being um, and thinking about what was going to work for you. Can you tell us a bit about that journey and, and how that process evolved, what, do you, what you did? Sure. Um, so the first thing that we did at Raro is our leadership team, because, because we were starting, it seems like it's a top-down model, but it was really important that we start with the leadership team. So we really... So we got a sense of understanding of what we're actually implementing. For me personally, I knew very little about what well-being actually was. It was a big learning curve. So um, that learning process at the start, we did uh, the leadership team did many things. We, we, we talked to people. We listened to speakers. We, we even went on a, um, an online course. We did a six-week online course to understanding, understand what positive psychology was and what positive education was. This way, it gave us um, a starting point so that we could develop a strategy um, that could go over a two and what became a three-year process mm -hmm. so that we're making sure that what we implement is research-based, is scientifically based, um, and we knew that the things that we're going to implement were going to help our teachers and students mm -hmm. and community. And so... You know, at one point I know you were looking at models like Martin Zelligman's PERMA model, the Mental Health Foundation's Five Ways to Wellbeing. You had Tifara Tapithba, Mason Jury's um, model for Maori Health. How did you decide from all these different models, what were you going to pick out to focus on for Raro? Okay, I think what, what we did is, is as a school, um, we, I don't, I don't know if I could actually you know, pick one of those models where we, where we, we took things out of, we, but we use them. They were so valuable. Um, we took it from a little bit of a different angle because we didn't want to take another model. You know, we didn't yeah. want to implement another model. There's a lot of 
um, there was a few uh, small sector that said, look, this is a great model. There's a five ways of well-being. Look, what, what, that works. That makes so much sense. And, um, and there was other ones that sort of had different um, connections with other ones, the Te Whare Far, for instance. And we spent a lot of time overlapping them and looking at the commonalities and looking at the gaps and what different ones had. But we really had it in our mind that we want to create something that works for us. Um, and But I think we found that the most important thing when exploring those models is not so much the model, but what underpins the model, the science behind it. Um, and by working with those models and overlaying it, teachers starting to get start to get an understanding of what well-being means. And I talked a little bit about we started with the, the leadership team, and then we made sure that we we had the right ideas so we can help teachers. And that teacher development was critical in the, the the making of our own model. They used all those different models, but there were certain things that um, connected with different individuals. And so to recognise that. We couldn't grab a model that all existed. It had to be unique for our staff. And if our staff recognised um, a particular area of a, mod a model, then we had to incorporate that in what we're developing. They had to feel that they've got ownership of that model, which is pretty cool stuff. And it actually meant a lot of co-constructing, changing, revisiting, even revisiting some of those, those other models that we drew upon just to double-check and cross-check. It was an exciting process. Yeah. So what were the main things for you that, you know, took, took us through the things that went into the Rauroa model and, and, and some of the checking and, and how that all played out? Okay, so, so we did. We actually cut out a lot of models and we created it and we overlaid them. We put them and some, some teachers put a little string linking things together. They drew all over them and they glued, glued and cut and paste and put post-it notes and add comments and talked about things important for them. And then, um, and, and, and that was all the making sense. They read the notes and they went back online. And, they, and, and all those things were about understanding well-being. And more and more as we went through that process, we sort of had in mind that the, the key thing there was that for them to better understanding their model, they are starting to take responsibility of their own model. So a lot of what we're doing is developing a sense of well-being for, for them so that they could they could actually start developing a toolkit, developing specific actions that will support their own well-being. By doing that, the obvious flow and effects is with that understanding, they can transfer that knowledge to students or they can just model the behaviours that students are looking for. They're looking for those role models. And um, if the teachers are, um, are being grateful, if the teachers are showing kindness, if the teachers are playing to their strengths, if we are letting teachers thrive in their environments and, it just, and, and, and they, students can see them and the community can see them, it, it creates a massive buzz um, and a very valuable for, stu uh, for students. I love that. I think there, there are two powerful questions there for teachers that, that you've mentioned, really, that are, so what has to be, as a teacher, what has to be in your toolkit? To look after well-being what things do you have to be thinking about and the other one you mentioned there I think is really powerful too of thinking so how do you want to be able to share this with students um, and it's it's a kind of a powerful they're powerful questions for galvanizing teachers into thinking about what what goes in um, yeah so it's lovely so tell me in terms of the model that you settled on tell us a bit more about that and what's in it Okay, so, so the, the model we found, once, once we knew and we had a, uh, uh, an understanding of um, the key aspects of particularly positive psychology and well-being, 
Um, we constructed our model around our vision. So mm -hmm. our vision is aspire to achieve, which is aspire. So we looked at different things that underneath aspire achieve. So for instance, the first one is a actively involved. Then our next letter, the S, is um, skillful, inquisitive thinking, then persistence, independence, respect, and enjoying ourselves. So under each of those, we, we, we looked at little areas um, as identified by teachers of areas that fit under them. So the areas that fit under them are things under actively involved. We have health and activity. Okay. A little tool is, is, is just around, and, and we co-constructed the bullet points or the toolkit as such, what that looks like, and that may be just healthy choices. It may be um, healthy life satisfaction, um, ensuring that you have a chance to deliver, deliver your passions. Um, under skillful inquisitive inquiry, we're looking at learning and engagement, making sure that teachers have the opportunity to learn things new or learn things that they want to learn, um, self-driven learning, um, Having being able to be curious, be able to look into their profession. Persistence was where meaning and purpose. We understand that in any workplace, you need to feel you're making a difference. Um, and the, the key ways of looking and seeing that teachers are making a difference in the students' lives, making sure that they are understand, or, or looking at little ways in which they can reflect on the things they do positively on a daily basis. Uh, we also independence is about taking responsibility for your own well-being. We supported this a great deal. We we had a um, work around the statement that says, "How do we how do we help others to help themselves?" But also um, understanding that we make a choice when we walk into the school. We make a conscious choice to how we're going to interact with um, our learning community. And so, understanding that the impact that you have on others. Um, needs a little indicators yet. A smile goes a long way. The power of influence, how you can influence others, how you can direct conversations around a positive way or problem solve when things aren't going right. Mm -hmm. Okay, We talk and we discuss um, things like moan bonding, which um, which which is about so how... Moan bonding, so moan bonding over whining and moaning. I love yeah, it. So, so moan, moan bonding is something we talked about openly, about whether it is just a moan bond. Or whether the person actually needs help and what's the vocabulary and what's the strategy you can use to help somebody problem solve. So our teachers were trained and, and, and worked through with a facilitator to help others help themselves, but also have, um, have strategies to, to, so that everybody's supported and everybody has a shared role in each other's development and each other's well-being. In respect, we place that the relationships. And at Alpatiga, and I'm sure it's the same for everything, relationships are a massive priority. I think you could actually call it number one priority in this school. Um, the link to learning, the link to behaviour change, the link to so many things comes down to relationships. And so that's um, where um, the ability to enter in conversations, little indicators and toolkits about have you found out about the people around you? Have you found out something new about somebody else in the staff room you didn't know? Um, we completely restructured our staff room. Um, we created um, a staff room which was open for people, which is welcoming, which avoided clutter, which, which may, meant that there was an environment where it was carefully created so that we'd have little groups of people that you could actually move around, that, um, that anybody could come into that zone and feel welcome and sit into that space. Um, and, we had a, and the teachers have a collective effort um, at our school to welcome in there. And it's all about being respectful. Um, and it's also investing in that culture. Um, the, the, the change in staff room was meant, meant a complete change in location, but it meant that we're investing. 
a big sign to teachers as well, I think, Stephen, that, you know, it was like, yep, we're moving the staff room and it's getting to be in this nicer place with more space, with, you know, the. I think teachers felt they really were being cared about and considered in this. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's it. We, we did all sorts of little things. And I think a lot of people, when we talk about well-being, they do talk about the millions of little things you do on a daily basis or weekly. Yeah. Um, and, and those little things are important. We've got a massage chair in our staff room and we've got plants in our, in our staff room and we've got a coffee machine in our staff room and we've got all these things. And we've got, and we, and we've got in a shoulder massage person to come in and do little shoulder massage. We've done lots and lots and lots of little things, but nothing compares to the work we've done around creating that um, framework mm. for, the, for the staff to interact, to be positive together. So yeah. all those little things do help. But our staff room is a really warm place where people can connect and build up relationships. So it's the people that are the significant in the um, creation of our well-being model. But I think, I think it's really, the way that you've done this is really interesting because when I look at it, it presents well-being to me in a way that I don't often see it presented. You know, for example, we often talk about persistence um, as something that's really desirable and we want everybody to have and you need to have more grit and blah, blah, blah. But um, it's, it's isolated from discussion around meaning and purpose. And mm. by putting meaning and purpose fair and square under persistence, you're reminding us that nobody persists just because they like banging their head against a brick wall, that the key to persistence is that you know why you're doing something and you connect with that sense of purpose. And I think that's hugely, hugely important and valuable, you know. I, I totally agree, yeah. I think, I think, I think we've, you know, the, the ability, you know, we talk about the power of reflection, the power of purposeful reflection as a, as a well-being tool so that people can, and it's so important for students as well, when they're reflecting on successes and on the people they're grateful for and the people they've worked for, and it's just... The purpose of the reflection is purely to acknowledge their successes without necessarily a next step, you know, which you do in learning and uh, we need to do this now. That Just that, that positive reflection on what's going on is so powerful because if they know that they're, they're having success in their work, they can be pushed a little bit more. They can they push themselves a little bit more. Yeah. They want to try more things. They want to get the most out of either teacher out of the school environment or the students out of just school life. Mm-hmm. And so tell me this, um, uh, the, the, the way that we've talked about Aspire so far, a lot of the descriptions have been around um, how this plays out for staff. When, when you talk about it with students, what are the kind of key things that, that you pull out for them around well-being? Okay, so what we've done is once again, um, as part of our strategy, we had two years to develop um, the understanding of what well-being looks like. Two years in the creation of our well-being model, which, um, as you know, Denise, turned into a book, a little picture book. But that took, that, that, that took some time. It's almost taken two and a half years. So we're at the point now that we're um, implementing this with students. So we're, we've got the shared language and the shared understanding so that we can implement with students. So the key points now is we are, um, the, teach, the students are developing it, but they're not developing it from the model, they're developing it from the teacher's understanding of the model. Okay. I think they'll develop that understanding as we start 
um, making it a little bit clear. We'll start developing a student-focused model. But at the moment, we're, we're seeing classes transform in the way that uh, when we go in there, we're seeing calm, settled classrooms. We're seeing lots of reflection. We're seeing, um, I think, a lot of the, the uh, teachers at the moment are doing well-being, um, kindness inquiries. Um, the students are working, uh, are doing, uh, practicing being grateful. Uh, there's a lot going on that has come about from the teacher learning. So just to jump in for a sec, what I'm hearing is, you know, we talk about that the, the overarching kind of process for well-being change in a school is learn it for the staff, learn it, live it, and then teach it, embed it, and that you really have taken that very seriously. Um, that you've invested a lot of time and energy for the leadership team and the staff to learn about it and to be living it and creating the model, and that that's already having a big effect. I believe it's having a massive effect, and um, it's one of those things that, you know, I'm hugely into um, engagement plans. I talk a lot about uh, what is an engagement plan. I talked about the staff room. Uh, in my head, I looked at when we created that staff room an engagement plan. When you walk into our staff room, the first thing you see is a photo of the staff, and it's a cool, it's a fun photo. The teachers had to do a formal one where they stood, and then the teachers had to do a sort of crazy one. Now, last year they were very different. This year they were similar. One of the kids, the students who was giving out the photos, said um, they they look the same, and it's like that's exactly what we like they look fun in both. But it's an engagement plan. It's they come in, they see happy, smiling faces, the first thing they do in the staff room. And then they walk in and they're welcomed. If we could put music in their day, each day we'd put music in the staff room. But it's an environment. It's, not, it's, a, it's a happy and there's an engagement plan. If, if the uh, leadership team are in there, we'll try and be there and we'll be present and smile and welcome and greet people and say how we're doing. The same should happen in classrooms. With this understanding, we have an engagement plan. As teachers are in there welcoming, welcoming students, that the students coming in, the teachers are showing interest in what they're doing. They're showing, they're showing interest in their strengths and they're actually making it an engaging experience. And the students are coming in there and there's an opportunity sort of to calm, to relax and know they're in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things that like, and, and, and then to, to complement that is all the other aspects of a wellbeing model. You know, those, those important about modelling activity, about modelling, you know, teachers learning alongside students. To teachers picking up pursuits that the teacher is finding a little bit hard and modelling the fact that, oh, look, I need to like, do this and this and this. Um, mm-hmm. Celebrating within the class the beautiful diversity that we get in classes, modelling. Most schools, are, I think, are far too modest. Can you share with us um, some of the feedback you've had from staff around how supported they feel by the leadership of the school? What's what? your rate? <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is like I'm. I think as as a, as a whole leadership, we're really proud of the process that we've gone through, and and we're seeing snippets of um, of the results. Uh, we put out what we call an individual wellbeing plan, an IWP, and the and the teachers. Um, it's about it's about the teacher. It's about the teachers reflecting and evaluating their own wellbeing so that they can make some positive goals or actions, which can be part of a coaching process. Yeah. But it's once again, it's about not necessarily about critiquing the school, school or, or looking for the faults or telling the leadership team that they're doing a useless job, you know, like all the things that, and it's not about, it's not necessarily about stress. It's about them thinking about um, how they can improve, how they can flourish. Yeah. 
and sitting alongside our wellbeing model. And one of the, this year's um, IWP, the latest one, um, it indicated that the teachers at Aroa um, feel 100%. There wasn't a single teacher that filled out the, the IWP that said they weren't supportive. So it's, it's one of the results in there. And we put that question in. It was a bit of a caution. Now, hang on. I'm just going to say this again because I think you're glossing over it. So 100% of the staff at your school say they feel supported by the school leadership. Absolutely. That's yeah. pretty – I think that's something to be hugely proud of. And what a fantastic vindication of the investment that you have made in um, living, learning and living this stuff. Absolutely, it's 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 this huge buzz, um, and and once again, um, the the reflection comments that went alongside that were were a buzz, were, were heartwarming, and it is it is something to be proud of. And we we did have a member of our, our board who, when uh, you know, we we just looked, we didn't show individual results. It's not something it's something we're going to show the, the comments about and so forth um, in detail because they are personal to people. But yeah. one of the things we can show is some of those graphs. And, and the comment that the board member was is um, a comment that's saying, I'm incredibly jealous. Like, if you can hear, <laughs> it's very, very uncommon for a staff to articulate that they all feel well-supported. So, yeah, it is a bit of a buzz. And it is, yeah, um, what a great place to work. Yeah. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. As an educational leader, your passion for design thinking and well-being is really inspiring. I think so many schools will be able to learn from the example that you've set at Raroa of reviewing and exploring a range of well-being models, of truly engaging your staff in this learning and of diving deeper into what well-being really means for your staff. If you'd like to learn more about how Stephen Eames and Raroa School developed their own unique guide to well-being, be sure to listen to our next episode. If you'd like to learn more about what other schools around New Zealand are currently doing on well-being, you can follow us on Facebook. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. If you'd like to learn more, our book, The Educator's Guide to Whole School Wellbeing, is available from nziwr.co.nz from early 2020. You can also listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz, on nziwr.co.nz, and you can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. For more information on how schools, communities and workplaces can grow their wellbeing and resilience, go to nziwr.co.nz.